is love. So you're going to hear from God. You come to hear from God, don't you? So tell your ears, wake up, open your ears, and be ready to receive and hear from him. Please welcome Pastor Chris. Um, okay, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are our strength and uh, that you are a great, great God. Um, certainly much greater than us and our own strength. So today we rely on you. We look to your words. Um, may it inform our lives. May it direct our paths um, and help us to love like Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, okay, so uh, thanks, Roger and uh, Hachin. That was like fantastic, like great worship. Really needed that. Um, this week has been a bit of a blur for me. So um, just up front, I, I'll just say like I'm probably not in my best state at the moment. Um, it's just been one of those weeks. Uh, my daughter, um, you know, she's in hospital um, now. I know there's been a lot of WhatsApp messages and emails going around. Um, she's introverted, so she's not keen on me posting things up on Facebook and, you know, telling everybody. So, so we've been kind of um, a little bit quiet about it. But on Tuesday, uh, she got admitted to the hospital uh, for a fairly major operation. And for the last few days, like all the days have been sort of bunched into one. You know, we've been staying overnight at the hospital and back and forth. Uh, I don't think I'm like in a full um, frame of mind. And, and I'm really conscious that so many of us here understand what that's like to be able to, you know, to to have a tragedy happen, and then, um, you know, you just, it's just enough to be awake, alert, you know, and, and, and there, and so it's it's wiped us out, but uh, we are really, really so thankful um, for the wider body of Christ, and for so many people that have kicked in to help out. We've had dinners, people have been messaging calling, visiting, praying, praying, praying. Um, you know, it's just been really fantastic. I think Rachel will be in the hospital for uh, a while more. She um, definitely is on the recovery side of things. Um, and, um, and just so man and I just really want to say thank you so much for everybody who has, um, you know, uh, really reached out. And it's just been uh Fan, uh, just fantastic, you know. Um, I think it's one thing to talk about love like Jesus and read about Roman, you know, in Romans about how we're supposed to weep with those who are weeping, rejoice with those who rejoice, or endure uh, suffering with patience, and and to read the book of Romans. I think it's just one thing to read it and kind of mentally know. Oh, yeah, 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 that's a really good thing to do, to really care about other people and to support those who are weak and um, show hospitality, you know. And 
this week I discovered it's a completely different other thing to experience it. Like when somebody goes out of their way to come and visit you, when somebody goes out of their way to stay up and pray, and when they um, show concern at a time when you're really just wrecked. Oh my goodness, that takes the words of Scripture, it takes the theory of what it is to be a Christian, and it puts it in real life, in practice, and you encounter it, and that is life transforming. I can't emphasize enough how impacted our family has been, um, you know, by the, the generosity and the love that we have been shown um, in this household of faith. My, my kids, they grow up seeing their dad go out and do a whole bunch of things for a whole bunch of other people. Like they, it's just a normal part of what it is to be a kid growing up um, in a pastor's home. But this week, our family got to experience the whole body of Christ kicking in um, to sow into us. And so I, we're really, man has asked me to really convey our thanks. We've had, you know, um, from doctors to have gone out of their way to come and visit through the people who've cooked, through the people who've come around to pray. And um, uh, even the youth group Skyped in and we've had like, so I uh, just really, really want to say thank you um, yeah, so much. Um, you know, if uh, Rachel uh, wasn't getting better, I probably wouldn't even be here um, and preaching. I was talking to my wife and like, are you sure you want me to be here? Like, I'm preaching today. I'm preaching at Chinese church after this. We have a building meeting after the thing. And on Monday, I fly off to do a wedding, <laughs> which obviously uh, I'm really thrilled about. But um, timing is tricky, you know. Um, and... Um, so, I, I, I want to take one moment um, to highlight, um, we actually have no pastor's wives here. Uncle Roland, Auntie Eve's not here, Auntie Annie's not here, and yeah, Auntie Annie's with Uncle YC, I presume, my wife's not here. So I want to take a moment to just highlight pastor's wives. Um, and it's probably not great form for uh, a guy to say his wife is amazing and talk, because there's a whole bunch of people at FGA that are doing amazing things. But let me tell you, if you're a pastor, there are some things only your wife and the mother of your children can do. And pastors' wives, they don't get enough uh, recognition because they tank stuff at the back that most people don't see. And so all we tend to hear about is, oh, how come they didn't show up? How come they didn't? You know why? Because they are holding the fort. I'm here. My wife stayed up all night in the hospital. And I'm saying, I can be there. But she's like, no, you do what you need to do. And so just want to say, like, there are many pastor's wives and the leaders, senior leaders' wives. Um, I know Jordan, pastor's husbands. <laughs> you know, oh, my goodness, like, it, the role they play um, and the heart, um, especially in FGA, their heart is for the Lord. Their heart is for the ministry. And so we are so blessed. I, I feel so blessed to be in a church where we're, we're functioning like a healthy body. Uh, we are. And so today, even when we talk about it, um, um, I, I think it's... Um, 
it's words that if we can allow scripture, and not, not my words, honestly, like I have a lot to learn about how to show love. I really do. Um, hospital visits just went up in my pastor's priority list, <laughs> you know, uh, because I have a lot to learn. Um, having not experienced a bunch of things, um, I think you can't read today's Romans passage and not think about how this plays out in real life when, when somebody is showing you love, when it comes time to, to, to do some of the things that are in Romans. And part of the um, reason why all of you have a, like a verse in there is, uh, today is so that you can take home at least one verse from the passages that we're reading in Romans, which cover a wide range of things um, and, and maybe put something into uh, action. So I thought I'd do something um, a bit practical today since... It's all going to be about the practice. When it comes to a topic like this, we can talk to the cows, come home. We can talk about it. And it all sounds really good. It sounds a little bit preachy. All of it is kind of useless if it never gets put um, into practice. And, and I know what it's like. It can be weird growing up in a family that believes Christian things, but at home, it's not shown. Right? So you're in a home, everybody believes Christian things. Oh, yeah, we should all love like Jesus. But... Like, in day-to-day, it's just not shown. I know what it's like to be in a church such as ours, and we all talk about showing love. And indeed, like, there's some of us, like, I have seen how FGA shows love really well. I have um, experienced it myself. So I know that we are of one heart, but I know it's also possible to grow up at FGA and not know anyone. And, 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 and here... All of us talk about how great God's love is and how we show, and then actually, it's not practically. You've never really experienced it. I I grew up with, um, you know, Quinton, Pastor Quinton. Uh, we were in the same church for at least a decade, and we never really talked to each other. We didn't even know it. Like, and uh, and now he's one of my best friends in the world. Um, it's just possible in a church like this for us to be connected as the body of Christ, but not really that connected. So I'm going to take a moment, and everybody is going oh, sorry, so I'm going to drive. So thank you for the presents. Uh, that's just a snapshot of some of the presents for Rachel. Um, she's on the road to recovery. Um, and we're going to do something. We're going to turn around, and you're going to introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Because honestly, we cannot do a session on love like Jesus, and we're all strangers. So turn around. Introduce, just say your name, say your name to the person around it, and they're just like, hey, how are you? It's okay if it's noisy, right? We are a real church, like, we're not here to just talk. Find out something about them, right? If, if you're surrounded by people you know, then walk a little bit, it's okay. Okay, and then you're going to say to the person you met, today we're going to learn how to treat each other better. All right, so you're going to say to the person that you just met. Oh, even if you're too far, okay. All right, so turn around to somebody and say, we're going to learn how to treat each other better.
Okay. See? It's so good, right? And you didn't mean you can chit chat after service. Okay, great. Fantastic. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Food. No. Okay. These today we're gonna to be looking at the very words of scripture. And I'm hoping that you will see even the very example of Jesus Christ himself. And these words and the example of Jesus Christ, I'm hoping, will inspire us to treat each other better. All right? As we learn to love like Jesus. So uh, at the, I might sound a little bit preachy when I'm up here, but I'm just repeating words in the Bible, okay? And I'm also learning uh, alongside all of you. So here's a quick recap about the book of Romans. I'd encourage you to get our app, go back to our old uh, sermon series. It's been, we've been working our way through the book of Romans, all right? Um, Romans 1 to 2, which was our gospel basics series. If I was to summarize it in one line, it is, you don't want to be a slave to sin. You don't. It doesn't pay well. The fruit's not good, right? Instead, you want to be a slave to Christ. He's a better master. He's a better master than you yourself. You being a slave to your own desires, of your own thoughts and your own... Romans 1 to 2 makes the point really clear. Oh my goodness, you're not that great. You are not the template for how love uh, is supposed to be shown. And so... Be a slave to Christ. He's a better master. And a good illustration of that for me uh, is, you know, um, if you are a fish and you feel like you're constrained and you want to walk on land and you want to have the freedom to do anything you want and you're like, oh, I could get on a plane and go to Paris. Like, no, actually you can't because a fish, once it gets out of water, right, it actually has very little mobility. And then the consequences start kicking in really quick. Whereas a fish, when it is constrained in the environment that it was created for, a fish, when it is um, in, in a place where it's been made to thrive, actually has so much freedom. It can go. Like birds were made to fly in the air. They can go anywhere. And Christ Christians have this great ability. I think all humanity has this great ability to be like Christ. We have it. We're molded in the image of God. And so Christians in particular, um, I think what marks Christians and why it, they've had, I know we've had like some bad history years, but some of the greatest moments in Christian history was when Christians rose up and mirrored Jesus Christ in their actions and said, hey, you know what? We are going to um, constrain our lives, submit our lives to Jesus uh, and his way of doing things and his way of showing love. Um, it is then when the best of us comes out, when we uh, love like Jesus. And so Romans 1 to 12 actually makes that case. I, I, I encourage you to re read it. Um, then we get to 12.1, which we are saying is the anchor for the whole of the book of Romans. 
And so after talking for 12 chapters, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see that? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We, he makes this point so emphatically that our bodies, our actual physical lives are not just our thinking our uh, concepts, the, the, the actual physical things that we're going to be doing every day need to be offered up as a sacrifice to God because we are going to end up sacrificing our bodies for something anyway. You're going to either give it up to the pursuit of pleasure. You're going to give it up to the pursuit of achievement and work. You're going to give it up for all kinds of things and and Romans 12, 1 to 2 makes the case, give it up for God. Give God the glory and uh, expend your life mirroring Christ. Expend your life for things that are eternally uh, worthwhile. And so that sets the tone for all of what comes after Romans 12. All right, I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Quick recap. Um, and here's the thing, everybody wants to love like Jesus, right? Like, especially in a church, like, oh my goodness, everybody will say, hey, let's, you know, be a, in a family, in a church that shows amazing love. Everybody wants to do that. But what does that look like in detail? In detail, because so much of it hangs on how do we implement the kinds of things we read in the Bible. And I love Paul because he goes into a lot of detail, way, like, we could literally do a sermon on every verse. Like, look at the verse that you have. I reckon one entire sermon could be written on that particular, you know, like mine, mine says, uh, for we are one body with many members, and, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Oh, that could be today's entire sermon, you know. But Paul, he covers that whole spectrum. Um, because he wants to make sure that the church that is just being formed does love like Jesus correctly. All right? And you're about to find out how epic, actually, these types of words are. It ends up molding the very history of the world um, that we now live in. So, Romans 12, 1 to 2 is our anchor verse. Then you get to Romans 12, 3 to 8. And um, it talks about we are the body of Christ, okay? We are the body of Christ, and so they're all different parts. So what you are called to do, you do it well, all right? Um, I forgot to say this last week, but just one quick line about this. There are a lot of people at FGA, you're trying to do like 50 things well. And I, I get it, you know, you're involved in youth ministry, kids ministry, worship ministry, prayer intercessory, and um, and. And sometimes you feel like, oh, everything rests on you. Um, can I encourage you, even as we go into this next season, find out what God has called you for and do that thing well. Do that thing well, and it's okay. Allow other people to do um, other parts of the, the good work of the Lord. All right? Um, you know, I, I'm very grateful. I want to actually say thanks to my mom and dad who... Uh, have been also helping us a lot. And I know I'm, I'm specifically naming a whole bunch of people that are related to me and like close, but this week they've been really, really uh, helpful. But I feel like I've got the entire power of the cooking food force of the 
uh, White House Community Fair, you know, kicked into action with my mom and dad helping us out. And so it's just been, um, uh, just been fantastic. So that is the body of Christ all working together. And I'm so thrilled to be part of FGA, you know, uh, across the different generations. Um, you wouldn't believe how amazing it is to have all different parts of your body working healthily uh, and, and well, it, it's something we should be very grateful for. And, um, and I am, really want to honor all the different ministries and all the different giftings that are at FGA. Um, you guys are, are fantastic. Um, then Romans uh, 12, 9, I think, kicks off uh, a key statement, which is let your love be genuine. And we talked about that. That doesn't mean, oh, like, don't be so fake when you say, oh, I care about people. It, this doesn't mean what um, love songs are saying today. This doesn't mean make sure your feelings match your actions. It, it might, but it doesn't only mean that. What it means is, let your love be genuine means, let your love be the real thing. Just like in those days, they would have fake gold coins and they would dilute it, right? So then you, the coin's not genuine, it's not 100% the real thing. Right? So when Paul says, let your love be genuine, what he's saying is, when you show love, make sure it's like the real thing. Make sure it's like Jesus. Make sure the way you show love is not your own view of what showing love should be like. Make sure it's 100% gold. You get it? And so that's why he says, let your love be genuine. And then he goes on to talk about what that genuine love kind of looks like. And Romans 12, 9 to 21 uh, which we talked about last week, can basically be summarized in the inclusio that begins with abhor evil, cling to good, and ends with overcome evil with good, right? That, that phrase from 9 to 21 has a range of things that are so um, fantastic. But the, the trick about that passage is to go, I abhor, I hate. This is such a strong word, it's not used anywhere else in the New Testament, all right? I hate, it utterly disgusts me to be evil. So as much as this guy is irritating me, as much as this person is causing me to be like so upset and irritated, I can't believe he cut me off and I'm just going to ram into him now and I'm going to do that. Like however much you hate the thing that is going on around you, you hate being evil even more. You absolutely abhor it. So you're like, I know everything in me feels like just doing the wrong thing. But you know what? More than that feeling, I abhor evil. And I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to, my life is not going to take part in that kind of a thing. So you're not going to suck me in. You're not going to draw me in into that kind of a response because I'm not going there. I abhor evil. I abhor what that does. And so I'm going to cling to what is good. And I think there is something that goes on in a Christian that has that internal battle. If we could just be real, because we're all trying to live out the Christian life in reality, right? So we're all not, we don't just walk around and we're all in a bed of roses, everything goes well and oh, no problems at all. Obviously, it's easy to cling to good. The same kinds of things happen to us as they do other people. I think, though, for a Christian, what happens is we go, more than I abhor what is happening to me, I abhor evil. And 
I'm going to love like Jesus. All right? And so Romans 12, 9 to 21 talks about that. Then we're going to be showing hospitality. We're going to be, even though, um, and, and just, just go through all of them. They're really, really fantastic uh, points on how we can in detail abhor evil and cling uh, to good. Then we're going to hit new territory. Romans 13. I'm going to do 13, 14, and 15 in the next 20 minutes. And so um, here we go. Romans 13, 1 to 7 says, submit, um, submit to authorities. This is where, where I, I love this section in Romans. You know why? We have the advantage of history. Okay, we have the advantage of seeing what these words penned down, then lived out, did to the world we live in. Because when Paul wrote this, the Jews and the Gentiles that were in his audience were under uh, captivity from Rome, right? And so they were conquered people from Rome. And in fact, uh, you know, it talks about paying your taxes and stuff. We know that not only were Romans taxing uh, the Christians, they were the people who were meant to be taxing were adding on extra tax. And so you're kind of funding your own punishment. All right? Like this is a bad situation to be in. And Paul should have written, what the Roman government is doing is evil. This is terrible. You need to rebel. He should have written that. But instead he wrote, if you'll read um, Romans uh, 12, uh, Romans 13. Let me see if I can get it. I don't have it on the screen. but Let's see. Instead he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except for God, who those exist, um, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Da, 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 and it keeps going on. And oh my goodness, I'm reading this, and you got to know that they were living in very oppressive times. And I know for a fact that these types of words written in Scripture was the reason why in Roman time, Christians would then go to be slaughtered and mauled and killed by lions. Okay? The, I know that these words so ingrained into how Christians were supposed to live, that instead of declaring an all-out war against Rome to overthrow it, Christians were like Plato. They, the Roman Empire had its way with them. They were using Christians as scapegoats for uh, things. They were um, accusing Christians of all kinds of stuff. They were then punishing them um, unfairly. And so these words 
don't read them too lightly because many lives, the blood of many, many people have come on the back of them trying to live out that scripture. What a terrible price to pay. In the short term, unthinkable and unwinnable. But in the medium and long term, the Roman Empire, which was against Christianity, the Roman Empire that actually crucified Jesus Christ, became the center for Christianity. And there was a battle fought and won in the insides of the, one of the biggest empires our world has seen. A battle fought and won through love. And I know that sounds like cliched stuff, Today, and uh, we, we think about, oh, yeah, yeah, so now Rome is the capital, the Catholic Church, and all these, all right? But in that day, it wasn't done. Battles were won through strength and in battle of war, all right? And so these things, because what happened was Christians took on this, and Romans themselves became disgusted at the kind of people they were, killing innocent Christians um, who were themselves, giving themselves and submitting to authorities. This is our actual real history. Um, you know, uh, historian Rodney Stark says that part of the reason for the rise of Christianity was how Christians um, responded, not just to authority, but also to those who were weak and those who were sick. And so during the plague, when everybody else, if you got sick during the plague, they didn't have a public health system. If you got sick during the plague, basically they put you outside of the town, right? Because like, they don't want anybody to get sick. Like, okay, you can die, but you know, at least all the rest of us, we won't die. And nobody's going to be looking after you. But then the Christians went in and helped out. And the Christians went, they were strong, and they went to help out those who were weak. And so then what happened was some of those guys survived. And their families heard about it. Okay? You know what it's like when you're about to die and everybody abandons you, but Christians come along and help you out, and then you survive and you go back, oh my goodness. That is their testimony. Suddenly, they're going, I don't care what we believed in before. Christianity, that's what we all are. And it started a revolution just as disease spread around, so did Christianity spread around. Just read, read about this stuff. Um, and I think it's inspired by words that were written in here. So today, how do we take this? How do we comply with authorities and a government that is increasingly becoming anti-Christian or post-Christian? Right? How do we... Uh, do this. Um, I think Christians in the past just paid a price for it. Uh, and there, we might be heading into a season where you may not be as advantaged as somebody else because you hold a certain view. You might be denied certain things because of your Christian ethics. Um, this passage says, if you're going to love like Jesus... That price may be paid in the short term, but it will yield long-term results. Um, I'm very grateful that we live in a democracy, okay? Um, 
So that's great. Right now, we have the opportunity to speak our mind. We get to, within this clause of being subject to authorities, we can say whatever we really believe in. And I'm glad that Australia is a place that encourages, even though there's like all kinds of things being said, right? It encourages good, serious dialogue and discussion. Great. So Christians, we should be, we should be making our stand. We should be speaking on things that we really believe in. Fantastic, because you know what? That it falls within the subject to authorities. We all live in Australia. We're all part of Australia, and Australia is a democracy. Great, let's have a respectful, honoring debate about the future of this country. Okay? But once things are decided, Christians, we're subject to the authority that God has. Okay, those are not my words. So you can take it up. Uh, with the Bible. All I know is Christians in the past have done this at great cost. Okay. Next, we get to Romans 8, 14. And then we begin a section where it talks about how to love your neighbor. You know, that guy that you just met, that you just introduced yourself to. Or the person that is actually your neighbor next door to you. Or the person who sits across you from work. Or the person at school. How do you love your neighbor? And in summary, if you read 13, 14, it says you put on Jesus Christ. So what you want to do is you want to say, okay, this is how I would do it. But today, we're playing dress-ups. And I'm dressing up as Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ is going to be the one who's going to inform how I interact with you. I'm not usually like that. I would have like blasted you and would have, but Jesus Christ is, 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 is who I'm modeling after. Jesus Christ is who I'm running after. My life is a living sacrifice. And so give me some grace. It's going to take me some time, but that's what I'm shooting for. And so Romans 13, 8 to 14 talks about that. So let's uh, read some of that stuff. Um, it says, so my uh, ESV says, fulfilling the law through love. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Talks about commandments. For commandments, you shall not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. Like all of these like is how you show love. Um, and any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, and I, I know he's saying really obvious things, but it's amazing how when we live out our life, we just need to be reminded about obvious things. Um, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So, how... Um, and it says, if you go all the way to 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I'll tell you, if you're a Christian, there is a war, there is a battle that goes on inside you. And it's a good battle. It's the one between God and your flesh. It's between the Holy Spirit's voice and your own voice. And, um, and our encouragement today, and it's certainly my encouragement, is let's fight that good fight. 
let's go. You know what? I abhor evil. I really don't want to be all of those things. And, 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 and God in me is going to win that fight in how I respond to all of these different situations. Okay? And so then he goes into detail, more detail, more, more, lots of words and more detail. The first thing is, so, I mean, I could go around like I did. In uh, My kids go to public school, and um, I help out in the working bee. And as soon as you say, I'm a pastor, the average parent, oh my goodness, they've got things to say to you. And I'll tell you one thing that we are known for, Christians. We are known to be judgmental. Like, I just, I'm just telling it as it is. You know, um, yet we as Christians have in our text, in today's text in particular, lots of scriptures that talk about not being judgmental. All right. So somehow we have veered from what God is instructing us to do. I would encourage you to read through, um, read through uh, Romans chapter 14. Um, now, it, one of the things it talks about here is, and so I'm going to now address, uh, so Christians and, the, and our church in particular, um, because I think that's what Paul does. He's writing to a church, okay? And he says, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome, welcome him and don't quarrel over opinions, Okay, let me talk to you a little bit about weak in the faith. What happens is that some of us have grown up at FGA, we've grown up in church, and God has been um, refining us, maturing us. Okay, so there's things that we would have done when we were a younger Christian that we now just wouldn't do. We wouldn't, we're a bit more sensitive. We're, you know, the battle's been won on God's side for a while. So we just wouldn't do it. But there are others that are coming in. They're weaker in the faith. They're newer in the faith, right? And they haven't gone through that process. And so what, in practice, what we all end up saying is, oh my goodness, doesn't that person know that? Can't, how come they're behaving like that? What kind of a Christian are they? How come they're like... It, and it, honestly, it's because they're weak in the faith, all right? And so you who are stronger... We are not to go and point at those who are weaker saying, let me tell you something that's really obvious. I'm strong, you're weak. Like, that's not. We're supposed to help those who are weak. We're supposed to encourage them along. We're supposed to encourage them to grow, okay? And now that might mean that we are correcting people. We are saying, hey, this is not a great response. Let's talk about how we're handling this. But so many of the times, the conversation occurs that person is not in the room. The complaining, the encouragement, the maturing is taking place between someone in our church and the home group leader or the pastor. Or so, and that person who's supposed to be growing, they're not in that conversation. That's not helpful. That's just us being judging. That's just us having conversation about other people who are not in the room saying, oh, I can't believe so-and-so did this. You know, like, senior pastor's uh, kid is in the hospital, didn't even call him. What kind of a... You know, like, oh my goodness, it's okay. It's okay. Right? Do you know what I mean? Because I have been in that state as well. I grew up, I've been a teenager growing up at church. I'm thinking about, you know, 
playing computer games on the weekend and someone's sick, I'm like, oh, okay, somebody's sick, you know, hopefully they get well, better, you know. Like, then you grow in the faith, right? You mature as a person. Life experience kicks in. Fantastic. We need to be this church that instead of quickly judging how everybody, nobody knows where everyone's starting from. You see? And so let's be, um, as for one who is weak in the faith, let's welcome them and not quarrel over opinions. All right? There just needs to be, in order for the body of Christ to function healthily, there needs to be a certain amount of grace where the small things don't become big things. That's important. It's actually in Scripture. Okay, the next part is uh, uh, 13... Liming, are you controlling me? We're going to go, uh, don't have judgment, we're going to go to 13 to 19, okay? Um, stumbling. Okay, so, therefore do not let us pass judgment on another any longer, but rather decide to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, this passage always gets um, misquoted. So I'm going to say a little bit about it, and then we're going to move on. But... The intent of this is if somebody is weak in something, then you don't, like let's say uh, they're alcoholic and so they struggle with alcohol, right? So then you don't go and have an alcohol party, invite the guy over and go, hey, right? So if they're weak in an area, don't cause them as they're going on that journey of their faith to become more like Christ, don't cause them to trip. That's, uh, that's the gut of it, okay? Now, how it gets most often interpreted, though, in church, in practice, is that some people who are, or some of us, who are really strong, and it's not an issue for us. Like, we don't drink alcohol, or we've got this thing under control, right? We feel like everybody should be in that state. You know, you know all of you should live the awesome, amazing, good life that I live. So if I walk around now and I see somebody doing something that I don't think is good, it's not right, yep, I'm going to say, oh, you, you shouldn't do it because you're stumbling, you're stumbling me, you're stumbling so-and-so, you're like, we're all going to be offended, right? Like, that's not the implementation that was in mind here. Do you get it? It's not talking about if, if your faith is going to be strong enough already whether the person does this or doesn't do this, if it's not shaking your faith, then you're not in that category that Paul is talking about, about weak and stumbling. What he is talking about, though, is that there are some, all of us cannot be strong in everything. I'll tell you this now. All right? All of us are weak in something. And so, when you have somebody who is weak in something, then we have to, be, we have to take extra precaution. So, like, and I've said this many times, you know, I grew up with an addiction to computer games. Oh my goodness, computer games are the most regulated part of my life. The most regulated. I've got all these rules about when I can play, how long I can play, how many games. Because you know why? I have already tasted and lived what it's like to be a slave to games, flunked a couple exams, 
and don't want to taste that fruit ever again. Okay? So, I'm conscious that gaming is an area of weakness for me. Yeah? And so, that's what, um, and so, when I'm around other people who, and that's their weakness, oh my goodness, like, if you want to tap out of games, tap out of games night because it's, a, it's an issue. Let's not stumble you. Let's have that kind of care and concern where we are addressing real issues that people are struggling with and help them to move on to be like Christ instead of falling down and tripping on an issue. That's what it's talking about. Not super righteous people who get offended and, oh, you're stumbling me by having earrings or whatever. You know, like, it's okay. Your faith will still be around if they have earrings is the, is, uh, the thing. Okay. Um, next, here is a verse for FGA. Here's a verse for FGA. Romans 14.20. Oh, memorize this. Okay. So, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. And like, I know you laugh at this. But if we could be really practical, how many relationships, and not just in church, but in our own families, get damaged or, or hurt badly because of somewhat trivial things? Okay? Like food. It, food's actually trivial. It is. But, uh, you know, like I, um, and, and so I'm going to tell some real world stories. Because this, this actually happens to us. This happens to us. I can name you one family where there is right now a fractured relationship between the parent and the kid and the uh, husband and wife of the, and the spouse of the kid. A fractured relationship. And when we sat down to mediate between them who are not talking to each other now, the grandkids can't see the grandparents. They're like, oh my goodness, this is really bad. When we talk, do you know what the first thing that was said by, the, by the, the dad, what he said to me? He said, that first time I met the guy, he came in and he wore his shoes into the house. And the whole time, I told him to take off his shoes. He didn't take off his shoes. And that was it. And we spent 45 minutes talking about why a guy who is not of the same culture as that family, right? Why, it was just an innocent mistake for the guy because he never takes off his shoes. It's okay. Like, he didn't intend to offend. We're talking to him. But, oh my goodness, what is the net effect of that? And so, I think these types of scriptures, they say to us, hey, I might disagree. I'm going to use Roger as an example. I always, it's not because he has a, he's actually a really good friend, okay? But, you know, am I going to let this little disagreement where I cut you off of worship halfway or you went too long, like, am I going to let this thing where you ordered the wrong fry kway tiao, whatever it is, right? Um, yeah, never, never happens because I order the same thing all the time. Okay, um, but am I going to let this thing destroy the work of God in our lives, of bringing us together, of uniting us as a body. We have a mission. We actually, this church has a mission. 
Box Hill needs a church like ours for those who are weak, for those who are, um, need help, for families that are coming in who need to see a multi-generational family that can reach through. Like, Box Hill needs a church like this. And so are we, for the sake of like food and things like that, going to destroy the work of God? And this says, if you're the real deal, then you've just got to let it go. You just got to go, you know what? That really irritated me. Try not to do it again, but we're good. Like, we're good because it's small. All right? Okay. Oop. I don't know why when I press it. Okay. Um, so Romans 15.1 says this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That is so crucial. Because when you're strong, you can do a lot of things. So it makes you, then when you look at others who are weak, you're like, oh my goodness, why can't they do it? How come they're not as strong as I am? It's your job to help them to be strong. Not to take your strength and go, now, look at me, how strong am I? All of us, and I've been really conscious of that in particular this week, all of us get weak at some point. Like, all of us get weak at some point. So, if we are the body of Christ, we need to have this mentality that those who are strong have an obligation to bear with them. Who, do you know who that obligation is to? When it says we have an obligation? We have an obligation to God. The God who was strong who reached out to us in our weakness. So when you go and help somebody who's weaker, it's not because they necessarily deserve it or you have an obligation to them. You do it because of Jesus Christ. Do you get it? So how does this all work out? How, do, how does an everyday Christian do this? I think it can only be done. That's why we go back to Romans 12, 1 to 2. God must be greater. All right? We must say we, our lives is a living sacrifice to God. And so God is greater than my own desires. God is greater than what I want to do. Okay? That, that even though I, I'm really conscious that at FGA we're training up a bunch of like, and I can talk about them because all the young adults are off at, 80 of them are off at the young adults camp right now. We're training up a generation of young adults that are doing things. They're operating the OHP for the first time. They're running kids for the first time. They're right. Strong, bearing with the weak is a great principle because instead of saying, hey, you did this wrong. How come you didn't? I, I can do it five times faster and even better. What we're doing is we're encouraging. And then you know what? One day they're going to be strong. One day they're going to be able to do stuff. And when we are weak, they'll be strong. So um, this stuff is so crucial for us to get right as a church. It really is. Um, and so for me, what then happens is God must be greater. You know, after, um, after uh, Mission Sunday, we're going to go into the final series of Romans, which is called uh, All Glory to God. All Glory to God. 
um, Romans ends with the best doxology in all of the New Testament, I think. But the point of um, love like Jesus is that God gets the glory. That means you say as a person, you know what, in my own strength, I actually couldn't do it. I would have left you a long time ago. I would have never been talking to you for ages. If it's, if it's me, forget it and forget you. But God is compelling me. And so then, when the unbelievable reconciliations happen, when that relationship that you thought would never, like we have seen from divorce cases reconcile. We have seen from parents, and like we've seen all these kinds of things. I'll tell you what, when they get together and the person who does the turnaround says, I'm doing it because God convicted me so deeply about my sin. You know who gets the glory? God gets the glory. God gets the glory. So this is what it's like in the inner life of a Christian. Real Christians who do this kind of thing, they sit down and go, oh God, give me strength. They wake up and go, give me strength to do that right thing. Give me strength to cling to good. They, they get in groups and they discuss and they encourage each other for good. So when they complain about what happened, and what, that group, instead of saying, oh, you should tell them what's what, and usually they're like, that group encourages them. You know what? We're here behind you. You can be like Christ. You can love like Christ. We're here. We're, we're here. You can complain to us. You can tell us all your frustrations. But in actions, let's love like Christ. And I get it. It, it takes a lot of um, uh, encouragement. It takes a lot of willpower and strength to be able to do the right thing at the right time. But oh my goodness, we need to do that. Because the world is going to see not our opinions and our thoughts and our ideology. They're going to see our actions. And they're going to see how we live out our lives. And for the world, only Jesus, so many people are going to see, is his body, the body of Christ, which is us. And so I'm going to close with just this encouragement that maybe... Um, Oh, you know what? Let's read this. It's the end. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? That's why I'm saying the things I'm saying because it's of this, because of this verse. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. That means love like Christ for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Oop. One click. Okay, great. Some of us need to do something today. We can't just hear this passage, read through this, and not do something. Because all of the words in this passage that we're reading are action words. So maybe we need to, and I'm including myself in this, we need to write a letter. We need to start a conversation. 
We need to right a wrong. We need to apologize. We need to go up to somebody and show hospitality. We need to serve somebody who's weak. We need to encourage somebody who's just making their way through and they're trying, but you know what? They're coming from a place 10 years behind where you were. Maybe some of us need to put into action these very words that are in Scripture that have been modeled after Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for us, but as I pray, I just want to encourage you. And maybe it's the verse that you have got or, or whatever, but I want to encourage you, like, do something about what you've heard. Don't just agree with what is being said. Father, I pray for every single person here today. I want to thank you for your body and this household of faith, for the grace that you have shown us, um, and, and for the relationships that we already have. I pray, Lord God, that our strength will be able to make a difference to those who are weak. Father, I thank you for the strength of the relationships that are in here. And I pray, Lord God, that it would turn around in such a way that we would uh, function in such a way that this body moves forward as the body of Christ. That we go around doing the good works that we were created for doing. I pray for every person as they do the internal struggle to put on Jesus Christ. I pray for strength. I pray for the Holy Spirit to even give them strength to be that conviction, to be that voice that mirrors Jesus Christ, that reflects to Jesus Christ. And we pray for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.